gospel tonight. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. And we want to read from verse um, 37. John's Gospel, chapter 7, and uh, reading from verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth this is a prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, and out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them, the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But, his people, but this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth. They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's just unite together, please, again at the throne of grace and prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the messages and song tonight already. We thank Thee that uh, those who are Thine while passing through the air can sing. We thank Thee that we'll sing of the fact that we will be in Thy immediate presence Lord, we are not just in the place of prayer and speaking to Thee in this fashion, but Lord, we thank Thee we enter into the immediate presence of our God. So our God, we thank Thee for the gospel that brings men nigh to God. And we'd ask that there might be a bringing nigh tonight, that there might be that change of heart and change of mind that is wrought of the Holy Spirit of God. Bless and be with us, for it's in Jesus' precious name, that would ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, in the province at the minute, we are in an election period. And this uh, next week, the uh, Northern Ireland will go to the polls, and a new assembly will be elected, and all of the different parties have been setting out their stalls and unveiling their manifestos and setting out their vision for Northern Ireland for the next number of years. And it is important, of course, that the right people be elected. There are 
many divisions in our province. We think of the obvious division between uh, Protestant and Roman Catholic, and that has been a deep division and one that has been very significant in our province down the years. And that, of course, has more or less uh, translated wholly into nationalist and unionist. And the majority are those that want to remain part of the United Kingdom, but there are divisions over our allegiances and over our identification. But there is another division that has, uh, is becoming more and more clear, and that is the division between those who would go along with the morality, the traditional morality of the Bible, and those that want uh, a new morality, which isn't a morality at all, it is immorality. There are those who think it's moral to support the killing of children. There are those that think it is moral uh, to promote all sorts of abomination in our day and generation. Uh, They think the nonsense that a woman can be a man and a man can be a woman. And now we've got to the point where people who are... um, Uh, purporting to want to be in government cannot even define what a man is or what a woman is. And we have got into the ridiculous situation where all of these new ideas have come in and people seem to be going along with many of those ideas. And there are many of the parties who are supporting absolute wickedness and they are proud of it and they're promoting it in their literature And we think of the great division that has taken place in our land over these things. But I want you to realize that with all the divisions that there are, and there are many other divisions in the world, that ultimately, when it comes down to it, the greatest division is over the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of what it says here in this portion of Scripture. uh, It speaks of the people, and we think of how... Um, they, 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 they spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 43, so there was a division among the people because of him. There was a division because of Christ. And of course, that is the ultimate division. What you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer said, what think ye of Christ is the test. And it is still the test to try both your uh, soul and your scheme. And dear friend, tonight, I wonder on what side of that division you are. I want us to think tonight for a few minutes about the divisive Christ. Now, divisiveness is something that is scorned in this day and generation. Uh, We don't uh, advocate deliberately or provocatively dividing anybody or seeking to divide over nothing. But dear friend, I want you to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was divisive. There were those that were for him and those that were against him. There were those that um, loved him and those that despised him. And that is the division that ultimately will govern where you spend eternity. It's not whether you're nationalist or unionist or republican. It's not your political ideology that's going to make the difference is where you stand as far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned. We think of the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 to 41, 
where the Lord said, Then two shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. And there the division is between those that are taken by Christ and those that are left. So which are you? As far as this great division is concerned, where do you stand? As far as your soul, your never-dying soul is concerned, where do you stand? And I want us just then to take a few minutes in the end of this meeting to think about the device of Christ. And first of all, I want you to see that there is a division about the character of Christ. If you look again at John 7 and 43, it says, So there was a division among the people because of him. And as we look at the passage, as we see what the text of Scripture is referring to, we can see that there is a division over Christ, but we can see some of the causes of the division. And you can see, for example, that there is a division about the person of Christ. There were those that said he was God, and there were those that said he was man. Look at verses 40 and to 42. It says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, This is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So here were people, and there are different opinions about the Lord Jesus. There were those that said, This is the prophet. And they were willing to say, and of course there was a little bit more because this was the time when people were expecting the Lord Jesus Christ. But these people were willing to go as far as to say, this is a prophet. This is a man sent from God. This is a man with the message of God. This is the prophet. And then there were others that said, this is the Christ. They go even further. They are willing, they're on the right track now, and they are willing to say, this is the Messiah. When they said, this is the Christ, they're saying, this is the Messiah, the one who's prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures, the one who will come and will die, because Isaiah 53 speaks of the suffering servant, and this is the Christ. Now, how much they know about what they're saying there, if they're really accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, you can debate over it. But some of them maybe did, and some of them probably did. But then we read about uh, those that say that he comes out of Galilee. They say, no, he is uh, not the prophet, and he's not the Christ, because the Christ, the Messiah, will come out of Bethlehem. And this man is a Galilean. And they said, no good thing can come out of Galilee. If you look at um, John chapter 9 and verse 16, you'll see something of a similar division. It says in John chapter 9, and look at verse 16, it says, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And again, you'll see there was a division among them. Now, again, there's a division about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. If you turn over to John chapter 10 
And if you look at verses 1 to 18, you'll see the parable of the good shepherd and the sheep. And if you look there at verse 19, it says, There was a division therefore among the Jews for these sayings. The Lord said, I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And again, you see that there is this division amongst them as to who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And I wonder today who he is to you. Who he is to you. There were those that said, well, he's just a prophet. There are many people, and that's their opinion today. It's the opinion of the Muslims. He's just a prophet. You think of the Jehovah Witnesses, and they say, well, he is a God, but he's not the God. There are all sorts of opinions about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. But dear friend, you've got to accept him as the mighty God of heaven. We think of how in the book of 1 John, that's given as one of the great um, uh, tests of your faith, that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall confess the Lord Jesus Christ uh, 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 will, uh, will have eternal life. And dear friend, I want to ask you tonight, where do you stand as far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned? There were those who said, he's a good man. There were those that said, he's a prophet. There are those that said, he's the Christ. Dear friend, is he your Lord and Savior? Has he washed you in his own precious blood? Is he one whom you know and whom you serve with all of your heart and soul. So there was a division about his character, about the uh, person of Christ. But then there was a division about the preaching of Christ. Now you'll notice that some of these men said that the Lord Jesus Christ was a deceiver. If you look at John chapter 7 there and the portion of Scripture that we read we read about the Pharisees and how that uh, Nicodemus came and uh, spoke about him. And they said, are you also a Galilean? And up there in the uh, former part of the, uh, the uh, chapter, if you look at verse 47, it speaks about the officers. And they said, never man speak like this man. And it says, then answered the, the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? They're saying, He's a deceiver. The officers say, never man speak like this man. The Pharisees say, he's a deceiver. And again, there's a great division about the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who say today it's a deception. It's a lie. They say, well, you are just um, depending upon a myth. You're depending upon the uh, imaginations of men. And you are just depending upon what man has made up. Now, when we look at the Scriptures and we see the evidence for the Scriptures, we can see that this is a book that has been written down over thousands of years, many different authors, and yet there's that unity. There is that wholeness to the Word of God. Uh, but there are those today who will say, well, people are being deceived. We are just being hoodwinked. People are uh, Christians, are sort of people, simple people, who are being led along by the nose. But then you think about what these Pharisees or these chief priests said. 
Now, these were men who were the employees of the temple. They had a vested interest. The uh, chief priests were their employers. But they came and they testified. And they said, never man, speak like this man. This message is something else. This is something that we've never heard before. And you can see this kind of thought. If you were to look at verses 15 and uh, 16, it says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And you'll notice what he's claiming. He's claiming that he has been directly sent by the Father and that the message that he is proclaiming is the infallible, authoritative word of God. And the Jews here know what he is claiming. They know that he is claiming to be equal with God here in this portion and in other portions of Scripture. But there are many today who portray the word of God as the gospel, as something that comes from unlearned and ignorant men. That we're ignorant of science that we would neglect science and reason and all the rest of it. The Bible never advocates that we uh, despise science or that we turn our back upon all of these things, that we are to be rational. Come now, the Bible says, Let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. But men today are depending upon the fallible wisdom of man. I've talked to you before about the half-life of facts. Half of the facts that are proclaimed as facts today will be proved false within about 20 or 30 years. And that's the way it has always been, because man is fallible. Now, are you going to base your eternity upon the infallible word of God or upon the fallible wisdom of man. Man will do everything to try and reject the message of the gospel. I was just looking at a thing this week where uh, um, you maybe have heard of the uh, inscription that has been found in Mount Ebal, uh, very early Hebrew writing, Uh, writing that's earlier than anything that they've ever found before. Many of the critics of the Bible have said, well, Moses couldn't have written the Bible because there was no writing in those days. Well, now they have the writing. You see, it always turns up. It always proves the Bible. But on Mount Ebal, they were looking for the the, um, altar that Joshua had built. For a long time, they couldn't find the altar that Joshua had built because they were looking in the wrong place. They were looking on the wrong side of the mountain, it turned out, because the the altar that uh, Joshua built was on, um, I think, maybe the eastern side of the mountain, but it wasn't opposite Mount Gerizim, as they thought it would be. So they were looking in the wrong place. But in the meantime, when they hadn't found this altar of Joshua, where they hadn't found any evidence of a Jewish altar upon Mount Ebal, There were many of the critics who said, well, the word of God is false. It's all myth. Uh, There's no evidence there. And one of these men came up with a theory about 
what the, uh, what, what it, that, that the Bible was a myth and all of these things had been made up and he uh, gained great academic uh, accolades for all that he had done. Well, the people that found Joshua's altar upon Mount Ebal brought this man to Mount Ebal, showed him the altar. Do you know what he said? He said, well, it may be so, but it may be a watchtower. You see, there had to be a let out. It's very, they found thousands of bones of animals under the altar. There was no pigs. There was no unclean animals. It was evidently a Jewish altar. And it had been built the way that it had been said in the Bible. There were no steps up to the altar. And all of the things were true about the altar. But this man could not accept. And that's what science does. Because they're afraid that if they accept that what the Bible says, then they're going to have to accept the God who gave the altar and told them to build the altar upon Mount Gerizim. But we're going off the track here. Um, We have a lot to get through here, but we'll try and cut it down. But look, there is a division over the person of Christ and the preaching of Christ. But there was a division over the passion of Christ. There was a division about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can see some of the hatred that was against Christ that would lead to his crucifixion. If you look there in verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he could not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. And at least eight times in the gospel accounts, we find that people tried to seize the Lord Jesus and kill him because of something that he did or said. And despite the good that he did, despite the healings that he accomplished, despite the wisdom of his preaching, there were those, and particularly, you'll see, that it is the scribes and the Pharisees, it's the religious people. It is the middle class or the upper class of society who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's a threat to the uh, way that things are, to the traditions. They are benefiting from the traditions. They have a position in society because of the traditions. And therefore, when anything is going to go against the traditions of society, they're against it. You'll find that many of the uh, well-to-do people in this world are more likely to be the people that reject the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight I'm speaking to somebody, by some chance, that you have rejected the message of salvation. We think of this, how it's going to lead to the cross. If you look at verses 37 and 38, the Lord Jesus Christ here is really making reference to the uh, cross. He says in that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he's speaking about the satisfaction. He's speaking about the cleansing that comes from Calvary. He's speaking about the fullness of life that is accomplished by his death on the cross. But we find that, again, there's a division. 
And the cross is the thing that makes the great division amongst men. There are those that cling to the cross and those that would put the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, which are you? And I want you to see that there is this division about the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, and our time has gone here, there is a division about the challenge of Christ. And I think I'll just close with this. Because the Lord Jesus Christ here, his life and his testimony brings a challenge. Now, you can see how men respond to the challenge here in this portion of Scripture. You can see that there are those that completely rejected it. We've mentioned those who tried to kill him. There is this vehement reaction against the Lord Jesus Christ, those with these vested interests. But then we find that there are those who do not hate Christ, those that are listening to Christ, those that are saying, well, he's a prophet, maybe he's a prophet, maybe he's the Christ. And they are saying, some of them, never man speak like this man. And they're willing to listen to Christ. They're willing to entertain the fact. They're willing, their minds are open to such a degree that they are not shut up. The scribes and the Pharisees, they're prejudiced against the message. We'll see that in a wee minute. But there are those that listen to Christ. They're debating amongst themselves as to who the Lord Jesus Christ is. They're uh, willing to accept that he may be the one of whom the Scriptures have said. But I want you to see that at the end of the day, if you look at verse 53, what happens to these people? It says that every man went to his own house. So having debated about Christ, having thought about the Lord Jesus Christ, having in many ways come to the conclusion that he might be the one of whom the Scriptures said, at the end of the day, what do they do? Go home and do nothing about it. They go home and do nothing about it. It says that every man went unto his own house. There was a good debate. Oh, they all thought about it, and they all then just packed up and went home. And of course, that's what happens in many gospel meetings. People come and they think about the claims of Christ and think about the gospel of Christ and think about the word of God and are willing maybe even to have open minds as to whether they ought to be saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. But how often it is that people just do what these people do, that every man went on to his own house, just went home, did nothing. Many people love maybe even the teaching of the Word of God. Many people are willing to accept the morality of the Bible, that the morality of the Bible is right and that the Word of God is true and that it is the thing that has been the bulwark of society. It has been the thing that has kept our society whole and it has been something that has been a blessing in society. But after having debated about it and thought about it and thought about the claims of Christ, we go home, do nothing. Maybe that's what you've been doing in past days. But my, I want to tell you, dear friend, that's a foolish thing. We never hear about these people, what they did. We don't really know what they did. 
with the Lord Jesus Christ in the end. But these people just went home and did nothing. I wonder if that's what you're going to do in this meeting tonight. But there were also those that trusted Christ. Now, we have said there were those that said this is the prophet and this is the Christ. And we have said that we don't really know how far they understood what they were saying or whether they really, we we have just said that many of them just went home after thinking about that. They just went home. Don't really have. But I would imagine that there were those who really did become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are certainly told here about Nicodemus. And he's the man of whom the Lord, or to whom the Lord said that ye must be born again. And certainly the gospel record we find here, um, it says that the rulers and the Pharisees, uh, when they were speaking to the officers, they said, they asked the question here, had any of the uh, chief priests and the Pharisees believed on him? And obviously, here, Nicodemus hadn't nailed his colors to the mast. He hadn't come out and said that he was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's beginning to get a little bit more bold because now he identifies himself and they are saying, Art thou also of Galilee? Are you one of his disciples? He's beginning to get a little bit bold. But this man has been born again of the Spirit of God. This man has been changed. And it isn't just that he went home. We read about him in John 3, how he came to Jesus by night. He didn't just go home and do nothing. He got right with God. He came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And that's what I urge you to do tonight. Will you come and find the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? It says here about many of these people, every man went on to his own house. Now, in a few minutes, we'll close this meeting, and every one of us will go to our own house. But will the Lord Jesus Christ come with you? Will you have considered the things of God, but just don't go home without doing anything. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Come to him. Find him whom to know is life eternal. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God, our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy word tonight. We think about these people who some said he was a prophet and some said that he was the Christ. And yet, Lord, at the end of the day, they all packed home, packed up and went home. Oh God, we pray that People will not just pack up and never think about the Word of God. But, O oh God, that thou wouldst have mercy and draw precious, never-dying souls to thyself. Speak on, we pray, and bless thy Word to every heart. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Perhaps we could sing... Um, a couple of verses of that last hymn there, the hymn 349. And if God has been speaking to you tonight, don't go away uh, without the Lord Jesus Christ 
as your saviour. Did we, we didn't, three, four, nine, we didn't, we sung it? 270, okay. I thought we'd sung that one. Down at the cross where my saviour died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied, glory to his name. The hymn 270, and we'll sing the first two verses, and we'll stand as we sing. Write thy word upon our hearts. Take us to our homes and safety. Watch over us and be with us. Help us to glorify and exalt thy name. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.